Hey, girlfriends, welcome to another episode of Girlfriends and Goals. We're your hosts, Miosha and Samaria. This podcast is a space where we'll talk about friendships, life goals, a little bit of pop culture, and all things womanhood. Our top goal this year is to grow our podcast audience. So if you're new here or you're an avid listener of this podcast, please subscribe, leave us a five-star rating, write a review, and be sure to share this episode with a girlfriend or two. All right, so we're going to kick off today's episode with our girlfriend check-in segment. And of course, that's where we ask a question from wherever we found it, child. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, today's question is, what is one of your most embarrassing moments? So Miosha, I'm actually really interested to hear because I don't think I I know yours. We haven't talked about it. Yeah, because I don't think we've ever had a reason to bring it up but uh-huh. I'm here for this question so my most embarrassing moment that I can think of right now is I had to have been about four or five years old mm-hmm. and I remember my mom was getting her hair done at mm-hmm. the salon up the street from our house and uh, while she was getting her hair done I was waiting in the lobby area up front while she was in the chair It was in a plaza that had a bunch of stores. And I just remember it had like a dollar store and then one other store that sold snacks. It wasn't a convenience store. It was just a random snack store. And so me being a kid around that age, of course, I want snacks. So I remember I, (laughs) I remember I got up and I went to my mom to say, hey, can I run next door to grab a snack? Mm -hmm. And I think she said, yeah, no problem. Just come right back. Because, you know, in the 90s, you could just send your kids to the store and not have to worry about typically anything too crazy happening to them. And it wasn't far away. So I said, okay, me being excited, I run out of the salon. But as I'm opening the door, my little underwear fall down. What? So you had on a skirt. I had on a skirt. And so because the I had my arm opening the door, keep in mind, I had to be like four or five, maybe six at the most. So I had to, I like realized it. And then I like quickly put my underwear back up. But in that moment, the most embarrassing part wasn't that my underwear fell down and everyone kind of looked at the door like, what's going on here? It was that I had those days of the week underwear. You remember the kind, you know, (laughs) I'm pretty sure they still sell them. And I was feeling some type of way because I had the wrong day on. (laughs) I knew it was a Saturday and I think I had on Thursday. And I was just like, oh my goodness, I have, not only did my underwear fall down, but I have the, I'm caught out here with the wrong day of the week on. That is hilarious. (laughs) That like even all these years later, you're like, the fact that it was Saturday and I had Thursday on. <laughs> Listen, and you know, from that moment, I I walked out when it got my snacks, came back, and I sat still the rest of the time. Uh-huh. I, I think I don't know, maybe they were too big for me. I don't know if I was just running too fast or what, but uh, yeah, that moment sticks out to me most embarrassing. 
that's so funny girl you have lived so many years since that moment and that's the moment that you thought of <laughs> okay so uh I, I feel like I kind of embarrassed easily hmm. uh so there are a lot of moments that I wouldn't consider one of the most embarrassing ones because just just so many of them mm-hmm. but I think the one that sticks out to me was when I was uh much younger and I think this had to have been my first like period mm-hmm. and I went to a school where we wore uniforms and the uniforms were um like khaki bottoms and so I have been managing it really well you know uh and then this one day I didn't even think about it like I didn't even think mm-hmm. oh watch your back watch your this whatever so I just stood up and I was just like prancing around the classroom and this girl comes to me and she's like wait Samaria turn around and I was like what and she was like you need to go to the bathroom (laughs) (laughs) and it was just um it was so embarrassing like everybody I mean people were familiar with what was going on because you know Mm -hmm. people were at that age you know so I had to go in the bathroom and stay there for a while I only had like my gym clothes for that day so someone had to I think go to my locker and get my gym clothes for me and then even the gym clothes like I guess because I wasn't expecting to be wearing them too long but they were like a lighter color like I remember Mm -hmm. the exact pants that I had to wear and so by the time we finished like getting me dressed and everything uh, I had to go to lunch like it was lunchtime and Mm -hmm. they were like the boys were like, oh, hey, like, so what happened? You know, like, what happened? And then one guy, he knew kind of what was going on. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, um, was it this? And I remember this other girl, I actually still, I actually follow her on Instagram now, but she was like, if you already knew, why would you even say that? <laughs> but it's our mess. Yeah, but that was, that was my little moment. That wow. Moment. Yeah. Oh man, you so both of us had, I guess, embarrassing moments from our childhood at different yeah. points in our childhood, but childhood. Yeah, so. I think when at this age, I don't know what could be embarrassing. I mean, I can think of one that, like, for a few days after I was still thinking about it, like, mm-hmm. I said something in a meeting that was like not the point, and I felt like people looked at me weird, <laughs> and so, like, that happened. And, I want to say for at least a couple of weeks, like I would think about it and just, you know, you think of something so like cringeworthy and you're like, ah, I can't mm-hmm. that. Like, <laughs> I'm going to go back to that day and save myself from that moment or like delete that memory from everybody else's mind. But the rest of the meeting went so well that I don't think anybody remembered it, but mm-hmm. I do. So yeah. But yeah, other than little moments like that, that childhood moment was the, the biggest thing for me, I think. Wow. Yeah. Oh. So let's go ahead and jump into today's episode topic, and that is uh, overcoming self-doubt, if there is such a thing. So this kind of came up because I'm in a group chat with some ladies, and this one lady said that she had been meaning to do something for a really long time, and she had even started it, but then self-doubt kind of took over. And so now she was getting at the place where she's like, I really just need to push past this and do the things that I want to do. And so it got me thinking just about how a lot of times we have all these great ideas and we don't necessarily pursue them or we know what the next level 
that we desire is, but getting there, we're really intimidated by the process of getting there. And we maybe don't sometimes believe that we're actually capable of it and then tend to want to choose the safer option, which is not doing it. And so mm -hmm. that's what inspired this episode. So I looked up this blog, um, actually blog, sorry, not a blog, I watched many blogs, but no, I looked up um, this blog on this website called betterup.com. And one of the things that they said was that uh, self-doubt manifests in three ways. And so I'm going to go ahead and read the three ways out. And mm -hmm. Yosha, I want you to tell me like, which way you kind of identify with the most. Okay. All right. So the first way is imposter syndrome. So that's like the illogical fear of others seeing you as a fraud or undeserving of your accomplishments. And then the second way is self-sabotage, which refers to undermining yourself, your values, and your goals. And then the last one is indecisiveness or struggling to make big and small decisions due to worries that whatever path you choose will be wrong. So mm -hmm. which one of those do you identify with the most? I'd say the indecisiveness for mm -hmm. me, mainly because I can see myself holding back on making certain decisions if I don't have enough information or if I haven't planned enough. This kind of goes back to the episode that we did on self-sabotage and the saboteurs and yeah. how I have um, the propensity to want to plan and plan and plan or gather as much information and research before I act on certain things, just because I think that gives me a certain level of comfort in knowing that one, it's going to go in a positive way. And even if it maybe goes slightly left, I'm mentally prepared for those pitfalls because yeah. I've researched and know like, oh, the, these are the possibilities of what could happen. What about you? So I think I, I get where you're coming from. I think I used to be like that. Like I'm thinking of Samaria very early 20s. And I think that there was like some indecisiveness, mostly when it came to um, people, you know, like who to keep in my life and who to send out of my life or, you know, what friendships to maintain and things like that. Um, so I can definitely relate to that, but I'm not there anymore. And so the, the two that I identify with is like, I couldn't choose just one, mm. but uh, the first one I think is imposter syndrome. Mm. And um, I think that has a lot to do with just like the field that I'm in. So like as a PhD candidate now, I need to get more practice saying that because I'm not a PhD student anymore. Mm -hmm. I've leveled up still don't have the PhD, so that don't really matter. But yeah, um, just being in that space and you're new to your field, you haven't had all the years of success to back you up. You're trying to like, you know, blaze your own path and stuff like that. So yeah, I think it comes with the territory where you're a little bit humble because you know I don't know everything that I don't know but then you realize how much you really don't know and it's scary it's like mm -hmm. man when I get this accomplishment there are other people who know this area way more than I do that were more deserving so maybe I'm not as deserving of it or there are people who could run circles around me when it comes to this topic. So maybe they deserve it more than I deserve it. Or maybe I'm seen as a fraud <laughs> because I don't know as much as they do. So imposter syndrome is really heavy. And um, I try to combat that. And I think I'm getting a little bit 
better, maybe. <laughs> I say that <laughs> until the next thing comes along and I realize, girl, you ain't get no better. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so imposter syndrome. And then a level of self-sabotage. So I don't actually get to sabotaging myself, but I definitely have these thoughts where they say like undermining yourself, your values or your goals. I think uh, I tend to do that and then just have to quickly like skirt find another path to be on or another thing to think about because I can see that happening and I don't want it to fully develop into self-sabotage. Got it. So how would you say self-sabotage from, I guess, the two perspective, well, not self-sabotage, self-doubt has played a role in your past and has it prevented you from doing something? So you mentioned that as far as self-sabotage, you're able to kind of catch it you know, refocus, but has it ever prevented you from doing anything? And if so, what? Yeah, so uh, I don't think it's prevented me from doing anything, but I do think it affects how I do things. Like I, I've noticed like I might do things with a lot less confidence hmm. than I should. So it's like, oh, I made it through the doors, but now I don't feel like I deserve to be here or I've made it through the doors and now I'm like, surely I'm not the best person in these doors, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and so it's like a lot of, um, I don't know Mm -hmm. that I'm the best at it. And I think for me, I do want to be closer to the best and not like, I'm not a perfectionist in that I have to be the absolute best or I have to be perfect, but I do want to be closer to perfect than not. I think everybody does. Mm -hmm. Right. So yeah, I think that's how it's impacted me in the past. And maybe even like now you're just doing things with a lot less confidence than I should. Everything's like almost trial and error. Like, okay, I think if I do X and then I combine it with Y, then I should get Z. So let's just try it out as Mm -hmm. opposed to I'm going to do X, add it with Y, and then I'm going to get Z. (laughs) Yeah. How about you? How's it affected you? Yeah. So I can't say that it's completely stopped me from doing certain things, but I think it's delayed the things that I've wanted to accomplish. So there have been things in my life where I'm like, hey, I really want to do this thing. For example, me starting my own business. I feel like the year or two before I did it, it was a lot of, is it the right time? Do I need to do this before I can make this happen? What would make me feel more comfortable? So I always had in my mind, like, hey, I'm going to get around to doing it. (laughs) But I felt like I just kept putting it off. Mm -hmm. And then it just became to a point where I think God knew like, hey, I'm going to somewhat orchestrate a situation where not where you're forced Mm -hmm. but maybe you don't have everything figured out and it's not perfect but I'm going to make it very clear to you that it's the right time versus you kind of getting in your own way of like nope it's not time yet not time yet Mm -hmm. Uh, and then I also realized like wow okay is it going to be another decade (laughs) before it's the quote-unquote right time so I think I've been able to do the things it's just been later than what I would have initially anticipated. Mm, yeah, that that's really good. I feel like uh, I'm at a place right now where there are so many things that I could do. And it reminds me of you um, saying like, oh, you're restless a little bit <laughs> um, in that last episode. But uh, I think because I didn't want things to be delayed, 
I would just jump at the chance of doing everything like, okay, this is happening and I need to implement it right away. Or that just happened and now I need to, I just thought about this thing, let me implement it, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think like now I'm at a place where I'm like, chill, you know? <laughs> like maybe you're just doing this because you fear that things are going to be delayed accomplishments. And if you just take like a beat, then you'll realize when the right time is. So maybe the opposite of, of where you are, but that's because I have been where you are. Yeah, and I think for us, it works as far as our friendship and this yeah. podcast, because I think we found the right medium of Samaria having, I don't want to say more of a sense of urgency, but being willing to put a date down at first. Mm. And I was like, okay, hold it because I have these other things going on because my natural inclination is to find the quote unquote better time or right time Mm -hmm. to set us up for success. But what that meant was, okay, we can't do it tomorrow, Samaria, but Miosha, we can't do it two years from now. Exactly. Yeah. And I think you're right. I do have a sense of urgency and it's something that I've said about myself many times. And I think I pride myself on it, especially when I'm around um, people who are moving slowly. And this isn't you. (laughs) You just gave that podcast example. So I feel weird saying this, but um, (laughs) it's not you that I have in mind. But yeah, it just forces me to have that. I have this quote from Lovey. And it just seems so fitting, so I'm going to read it. But she said, remember that you don't have to execute everything right now. Some ideas are for next week, next month, next year, or next decade. But write them all now. Uh, I'll write them all down. (laughs) So yeah, just um, something to go with what we've been talking about. But I guess I want to follow up the last question with, like, what is an area right now, right? where you feel like self-doubt is happening the most? For me, it's motherhood. Mm. I have more than one area, but the top is motherhood because I find that I have this, I guess, overwhelming sense of weight in terms of showing up in the right way, being what I need to for my son, to prepare him for life and for the world. So I find that I'm... I guess, somewhat critical and more thoughtful, um, more than I would have expected, just because I understand the task at hand and just creating a well-rounded, loving, giving, grounded individual. um, And I just want to make sure that I'm doing everything that I can. And as far as, I guess, the self-doubt piece is me wondering, like, is it enough? Mm-hmm. But then like knowing, okay, in motherhood, there is no delaying it once they're here. Every day they're getting older. There's no putting it off. Um, there's only so much research you can do because life happens every day and you don't know what curveballs are going to come. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's just been about finding the right balance of, yeah, it's okay to kind of maneuver through this with a little bit of um, lower confidence, you know, it's your first rodeo, I'm a first time mom, right. but, but, you know, keep, you have to keep moving forward nonetheless, just because unlike certain other things, uh, you know, once they're here, they're here. So Yeah, no, I feel you on that. Like, I, I can't feel you on that because I'm not going to that, <laughs> but I do, um, I do feel you on that because it's such a huge responsibility. Like you're now responsible for their education. So I know like your, your child isn't two years old yet, but it's like, okay, there are still certain things that they should be learning and doing and interacting mm-hmm. with at this time. And so wanting to make sure that you just equip him fully 
mm-hmm. have the best life. I think that's that's pressure, man. Oh yeah, the, and the soft skills too that yes. you know you just don't think about. You know, your child is a blank slate, and I think for me also, I feel like I'm a pretty confident person overall. Yeah, but I think the unknown of motherhood and parenthood obviously you don't have a crystal ball is one of the I don't want to say the first things but in my past as far as my career my friendships I've been able to somewhat maneuver through those things with a certain level of confidence and understanding and lean on mentors to help me through it they've been through it mm-hmm. but even, I feel like when it comes to parenthood and motherhood people can give you all the advice and the this and the that and it can be applicable or not yeah. <laughs> so it's just um, a constant learning experience, uh, learning while on the job and trying to be confident and while you're doing it. Mm-hmm. So. Man, uh, that, that's cool. I think for, for me, my thing is career. Uh, so what's next is a big question that I ask myself. Mm-hmm. And I know what I want next to look like. I have a great idea of it. And I'm trying my best to like come up with plans to implement that will get me to that life. Mm-hmm. However, because it's not necessarily the traditional path for someone who's doing what I'm doing, there's a lot of self-doubt there. Like, girl, mm-hmm. you really think you're going to be the one to, you know, do X, Y, Z. And at the end of the day, I have to believe that, you know, because if I don't, then I won't ever get where I want to get, but it's just a lot, you know, like there is a proven path that has worked for multiple people. There, there might be even like, let's say two proven paths that have worked for people and I don't want either one of them. Right. So now it's like, <laughs> are you, <laughs> you're really out here just like yeah. preparing to wing it. And so I don't know, do I have the energy? Do I have the, I believe I have the talent for it, but do I, have the right connections to make it happen? Do I have everything that I need to make it happen? So I guess that's where like faith comes in, but that's like my biggest area right now where I'm like, oh girl, you're going to do it. Yeah. Well, you mentioned, you know, other people have gone before you and Mm -hmm. there's like a proven way, two ways that you called out. But do you think that comparing ourselves to other people Mm -hmm. plays a role in that? which I think part of it is natural. For example, in a career, it's natural to look to your peers to be like, okay, well, they did it that way. It worked. Like, why am I going to try to recreate the will? Am I really going to be the exception to the rule? Absolutely. I think that comparing yourself to others uh, definitely plays a role. I think for one thing, if you're spending that much time focusing on their lane, right? Like, it's energy that's wasted or it's energy that's going into the wrong like place, you know? Mm-hmm. So if you're looking and seeing, okay, well, what strategies did they implement to get to where they need to get? Can I use some of that? That's one thing. I think that's like a strategic, mm-hmm. you know, looking at what everybody else is doing or what someone else is doing. But if you're just looking at it, like, man, they're going to be able to accomplish X, Y, Z because they've taken a proven path and I will not be. So I think it definitely plays a huge role. And then just because if everybody's doing it one way that works versus me trying to do it in a different way, like you can't help but to realize the differences (laughs) that are between them and you. Like they have, it's like 
when we go on the highway, right, those roads are already set out for us. They've been paved. Might have a few potholes, but for the most part, you can drive your car on them versus I'm going to take a path through the woods where there <laughs> might be a tree here. There might be a ditch here. And I just do not know. <laughs> so mm. that that's how I kind of feel. But yeah, absolutely. I think comparing yourself to others plays a role. How about you? Yeah, and I've definitely done that myself where mm -hmm. I think it's also about calculating risk as well. But yeah, yeah. the other thing I'd add is even if you aren't comparing yourself, which I think we all naturally do, mm -hmm. I think other people may do that for you. So say you are going mm -hmm. down a different path off the highway mm -hmm. and other people notice it because you don't live in a bubble, okay. then they may interject and make comments and say, oh, like, are you sure that this is the path that you want to take? So even if you feel super confident in what you're doing and that self-doubt isn't there for you, people observing you can sometimes project onto you and encourage you to get back to the highway or the, the easier path. Girl, listen, I have a, a mini story because I have a friend who's like this and we're very good friends. So I'm not saying this for my friend to come off like bad <laughs> in any way, <laughs> but she works in a field where they have to um, assess risk a mm -hmm. lot. And so I remember when I like left my job some years ago to go in, um, to go to grad school, she was one who was like, now, are you sure this is something that you want to do? You know, like you're, you're leaving income, you are going into something very uncertain as far as like financial, like what, mm -hmm. what are you going to be able to do? What kind of life are you going to be able to live? And so there were several conversations that I had with her where she was like, now, are you absolutely sure? And I was like, yeah, girl, I'm sure. Now, if you see me standing on the corner with a sign, you know, make sure you stop by. And she's like, you know, that's not funny to me. Like, you know, like <laughs> this is a, it's a big deal, but that's just because one, she cares about me, right? Mm -hmm. And she didn't want me in any type of situation where I was in danger or I was unwell or whatever. Um, but also that wasn't her path. You know, yeah. her, her path was, I don't want to say it was a hundred percent safe, but it was a more traditional path. And, you know, she's, she's doing well for herself, girl, like it, it paid off, but yeah, that was, that was kind of her, um, her path. So she wanted to, to like have that discussion with me. Yeah. And I can relate to that, especially with close friends, family, they're assessing risks for you. Mm -hmm. um, and also some of that could be them just not wanting to be on the sidelines of things just not going in a positive way in regards yeah. to whatever it is that you're doing. And I've definitely seen this in relationships mm -hmm. as far as like people observing like, oh, you're dating this new person. You know, they're already calculating the risk of, okay, like, how is this going to go? Because of course they don't want to see you in heartbreak, but that's a part of life. And if you don't take that risk, I mean, are you never going to find love or? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I don't, I don't fault her for it. I understand it, but you know, everybody has their own path. So, yeah. so like we've, we've talked about other people and how they can maybe project their ideas of like certainty um onto you but how do you think your surroundings and I don't just mean people but also people but your surroundings like your work your location 
how can those things affect your self-doubt either positively or negatively yeah so I think because you don't live in a vacuum it will and the I the I guess example I was thinking of with this question is things that I've seen at work where you may have this big project you want to work on, or you want to set a high sales goal, or maybe you're working in marketing and you have this big marketing plan that you think it, the company is going to really grow from, but the consequences, the negative consequences um, can really drive you to steer away from setting those big goals mm-hmm. because in certain areas of your life, uh, more so in work, the consequences can be high. And so you may tend to say, okay, well, let me set a sales goal that I know I can accomplish versus me being like, oh yeah, I set my goal higher than everyone else is on the team, but I didn't make it while everyone else gets the accolades of making it. Or if you are heading up a big project and it just goes completely sour, that could be your job. And so I've noticed that specifically in career and in the workplace where because of the negative consequences, like if you're not in a space where you feel safe to take those risks, you're more likely to say, hey, let me dumb down what I think I can do, what I know I can do, just so that I feel protected. Yeah, absolutely. That that was something I was going to say too. I think I I phrase it as like complacency almost. Mm -hmm. Like if you're in a happy place, like, you know, you're at a particular job where you make a lot of money, you know? And so you might want to make that next move, but you're like, ooh, that's not safe. And am I really fully equipped to make that next move? Like, can I actually Mm -hmm. do this? Well, you're already in a good place, so why not stay and be like comfortable? Why not stay and make your money? Why not stay and, you know, at least have a, a comfortable life? you know? And I don't think that's like, I think sometimes, you know, on the internet, I think people are like, oh, you, um, you're staying in your comfort zone. Okay. There's a reason why it's called a comfort zone now. It's it's comfortable. (laughs) It feels good over here. (laughs) Okay. So let's not, let's not, um, hit people over the head with, oh, you have to, you have to step out of your comfort zone every single time. Like, yes, there might be areas where you're like, I can step out of my comfort zone as far as this goes, But as far as this other thing goes, no, I'm going to stay in my comfort zone because I need that comfort, you know, (laughs) like the whole life can't be chaotic. Yeah, Um, I was going to say, I'm glad that you brought up the Internet. I think there is this a lot of pressure, uh, one to like, I think, of course, get people out of their comfort zone and overcome self-doubt. But I think there's this pressure to get people to buy into hustle culture. You should be working for yourself. You should be starting a business, taking on more risk. Uh, You should be investing in real estate of a certain amount. So I think there's a lot of pressure for that. But on the flip side, like if things do go sour, typically people don't show, show up back up on the internet to let people know like, hey, this is how things really went after say five years. Exactly, Um, yeah. And speaking of like, how can your surroundings, like we're surrounded, like the internet is our surrounding as well, because we're always on it. We're always reading what people, even if we're not interacting or engaging with the things that people say, we're reading it and we're, it's going to impact us in some way. You know, we're not just reading Mm -hmm. it. It's like, oh, out of, out of sight, out of mind. It's like, sometimes you linger a little bit. So I think, yeah. So I think our surroundings can affect us in 
terms of like complacency. But I also think discomfort can also affect like self-doubt in, uh, in a negative way in that if you're uncomfortable in a specific situation, a particular job or anything like that, sometimes people think, okay, well, this is all I can do. Or you're questioning, can I make it out? Can I succeed in something else? Like, yeah, mm -hmm. I hate it here. You know what I'm saying? And I'm really uncomfortable here and I need to make that next move, but am I really able to, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think um, it can affect us in that way. But I will say on a more positive note, I think our surroundings can have a really positive impact on us. I, I don't know if I've said this on the podcast, but definitely like in real life, like I'll say, um, Miosha is such a hype person, you know, <laughs> like, like she will hype me up like years ago. She'll be like, well, of course this person said that about you because you're amazing and you will literally list out my amazing qualities so much so that at the end of the call, I'm like, you know what? I'm not half bad. <laughs> and so I think if you have a circle of people who really are um, actively doing life with you and actively like rooting for mm -hmm. you and you know, they have your back and yeah. they're there to encourage you, I think your surroundings can really have a tremendously positive impact on self-doubt. It can almost like take away from that self-doubt. Oh, yeah. You. And knowing, I guess, who within your circle you can lean on because yeah. we aren't experts or hype at everything, right? So knowing who you can lean on. So me being in this season of motherhood and going into it before you, like yeah. I won't know everything, but when that time comes, you know, okay, Miosha is a person that can help me through this. But then you have other people who are on this PhD journey with you where you can lean on and they're more tied in and understanding the intricacies that I don't understand. So you can lean on them. So it's like also realizing like, okay, you can't lean on one person for everything, but yeah. knowing who you can go to. Mm -hmm. different things. And I will say um, there is some overlap. So just for anybody listening, even though you just gave the example of, oh, there are PhD people who might be able to, you know, assist with that. And there are motherhood people who might be able to assist with that. There is some overlap too, because I think mm -hmm. like this year I had a really um, huge hurdle to jump mm -hmm. over for my PhD program. And it was something that Miyosha said that actually helped me get over it. You know, it was like, like, so were you expecting not to get any feedback? Like, were you expect, I was really down on myself until I had that conversation and you were asking these questions because you were genuinely concerned as you asked those questions. And I had to like actually answer out loud. I realized how silly I was being, you know? And so, mm -hmm. yeah, there can be overlap. So don't think that you have to find comfort in married people just because oh, yeah. you want help with your married life or you know whatever so yeah so do you think that there is a such thing of overcoming self-doubt and I'm gonna say give one answer <laughs> <laughs> so the answer for me would be no oh uh, we got the same answer <laughs> I know so I say no just because I think um one as you try new things you just don't know what you don't know. And sometimes you don't know all that you're capable of. Or you might think, oh, I'm well equipped for this. And then something might come at you. And it's like, okay, I had not prepared for that. Where did that come from? <laughs> and mm -hmm. so I think there will always be 
like a level of self-doubt, even if you're doing something that you've always done, there are new scenarios that'll come up. And so, yeah, and no man is an island. Like we can't do anything or everything by ourselves. So I think maybe some self-doubt is a little bit necessary. Mm-hmm. I don't know that how far, like I, I'm not willing to die on that hill, but I do think a little bit of understanding your limitations at the very least is necessary because you do need to reach out to other people at certain points. So yeah, I'm gonna say, I don't think there's such a thing as overcoming it, period. But I do think at every step of the way, at every like little hurdle, you have to overcome that moment of self-doubt. So it's like a constant overcoming as opposed to one time and it's done. Yeah, I think for me, since we have the same answer, I'll just give from my own personal experiences. If I feel confident and I'm not feeling self-doubt that I can consciously recognize, Mm -hmm. then I probably won't acknowledge it. I just feel confident about it. I got this, good to go. If I experience self-doubt, I have only seen for me where I'm able to manage it through Mm -hmm. the journey. So like you said, like each hurdle, you may figure out a way like, hey, I still need to move forward on it, but how do I manage it? So um, it's never completely gone away on those things that I've had self-doubt on. And I would even say for me, having a certain level of self-doubt ongoing, depending on what it is, actually helps me to perform better because it helps me to maybe circle back on something, do more research, talk to people about it more versus just being like, oh, I got this, I got this. <laughs> you know what? And also, you know, when they say you're in school and you take a test and you're feeling so confident about it, and that's the time where mm-hmm. you really mess it up. But when you're like a little bit doubting yourself, it's like, okay, I actually got this. You know, <laughs> actually, mm-hmm. I might actually get an A because I'm doubting myself a little bit. So yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree with what you said. If you had a girlfriend, me or anybody else, <laughs> who was kind of getting in her own way because of self-doubt, what would that conversation go like? What are some ways that you would encourage her? Well, the first thing would be for us to kind of lay out the self-doubts mm-hmm. that she's having and then see if there's, I guess, like a underlying reason for mm-hmm. it. So you might say like, oh, it's confidence, but is it like a specific area or reason that it's coming from to see like, okay, could we address that so that it's like a trickle down effect if it's affecting this other thing in your life. And then I would just encourage her to still put one foot in front of the other and moving forward. It doesn't have to be perfect or completely right, but just move forward and uh, find ways to try to manage the self-doubt. And then I would even let them know like, hey, you can lean on me mm-hmm. in, in ways that you think are applicable for me to help you through this. Because I think with friendships, you know, sometimes it can be easy to get caught up in like, oh, we're going here together. We're hanging out. We're doing all these fun things. Yeah. And then not really working on the other areas where like we really should be leaning on our friends. So I would just say, hey, you know, I understand like where you are with this. If that means like, hey, I can be here to check in with you. If you want to talk about it, meet up about it. If you need me to do something for you. Because I think there is also confidence in knowing when you kind of have someone by your side 
versus you just doing it all alone, even if they're not physically there, but you know that they're emotionally there and they're emotionally invested. And I would reassure her like, hey, I'm in this with you. Like I can't do it for you. But like, even when you were going through um, this big hurdle that you had to go through, like I was constantly thinking about you, praying for you, trying to not text you (laughs) to distract you. But mentally I was trying to be as focused on you as I could be Mm -hmm. knowing that like you would need that emotional support to get through it. Absolutely. Everything you said right on. I think uh, another thing I might do is like remind that friend of the positives that she's accomplished and like just kind of hype her up with them, but also talk through what her strengths are. And if, if there is any like validity to why she's doubting herself in that thing, how can we improve upon those things, like those areas where you lack so that way you do feel more confident about things. So yeah, that, that's what I would do, I think. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode of the Girlfriends and Goals podcast. You've heard our thoughts on this topic, but we'd love to hear your thoughts as well. So make sure you follow us on Instagram at Girlfriends and Goals podcast, where we'll continue this conversation over the next week. If you haven't subscribed already, please go ahead and do that now. And don't forget to rate, review, and share. Until next time. Bye. Bye.